That brings me to the point of this morning's message, a house of prayer. We've been talking about the church, talking about who we are as a church. One of the things that I think that maybe we're guilty of is we're not the praying people that we should be. I wonder if we are the ones that constantly lift one another up and praying for one another. And so we're going to look at James this morning, James chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 13 through 20. And then later on, we'll, we'll visit Matthew 21. But let's stand together as we read from James chapter 5. It says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. By the way, you know what that means, right? He sinned as well. That same nature that we were born with, he was born with. But Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Verse 19 says, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Father, we ask this morning that you would reveal to us where our prayer life is as individual and also, God, as a body. Where are we as a church? We praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You remember the poor beggar who wouldn't even raise his eyes towards heaven and basically just committed himself to God and confessed his sins and just said, Lord, I mean, whatever I have, this is it. I'm just a sinner. And, and we know that God heard his prayer. And then we knew the, the Pharisee with all of his pretty garb on and the bells that were ringing and he made all the noise and, and he basically scolded the, the beggar in his prayer and God heard none of what the Pharisee had to say. I wonder how our prayers are here. I wonder if our prayers are like the Pharisee or like the beggar. I would ask and hope that our prayers are like the beggar. We understand our state. We cannot demand anything from God. There are a lot of preachers today who say you can basically tell God what to do and he'll do it because you're his child. I don't know how it worked in your family, But I never could convince my parents to do what I thought they ought to do. They did what they wanted to do, and I just had to tag along. But for some reason, there's this thought process that I can almost command God and command heaven to do as I wish. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is you and I understanding that we are coming before a God who we're not worthy of coming before, but he's allowed us in his presence because of his grace. So let's look at this this morning. First of all, the question is, is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone among you suffering? Let me tell you, he's speaking here to saints 
who are being persecuted, who are, who are suffering due to the fact that they are Christians, due to the fact that they have given themselves to the gospel. And, and there are people who are suffering. They're, they're losing family members. They're, people are, are, are turning away from them because they have followed Christ. People are no longer um, friending them because they, they have come to this place of understanding their need for Jesus. And, and the people are like, I ignore you. I don't want any part of you. I don't want you in my life any longer. So he's saying if you're suffering, if you're under that type of suffering... If, maybe you're suffering in anguish. Maybe you, you have things going on in your life that you wouldn't tell anyone else. You're, you're scared. Listen to what the Bible says. Let him pray. Let him pray. How many of us in this room, when life hits us hard, the first place we go is on our knees? The first place that we go is before the Lord. Let me read this again. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Let him come before God. Let him come and and bow himself before the Lord. You know, the Bible tells us that God is a God who hears. He's a God who listens. He's a God who cares. And, And I've got good news for you. God already knows your suffering. God already knows your condition. God already knows your situation. That is why we're supposed to pray. We're supposed to come before the one that already understands. Because if he knows our situation, he already has the solution. Let him pray. But I wonder how many of us, instead of praying, we, we call our friends. We, we call all those people. We say, I can't believe this is happening in my life. I can't believe this is going on. Can you believe so-and-so? Can you believe this? Can you believe that? And instead of going before God in our suffering, we go before our friends to get pity when we could go before God and get an answer. Let him pray, it says. He says, is anyone cheerful? Anyone cheerful? A lot of times when things are going good, we forget to pray. You ever, you ever been there? Things are good. Life is great. God can go and worry about somebody else who's who's got issues, who, who, who's suffering. I'm doing great. I'm doing good. The Bible says, is anyone cheerful? What's it say next? If you're cheerful, let him sing psalms. You're singing your prayers to, to God. You're singing those psalms to the Lord. You're allowing God to know that you recognize because of his hand and his blessing that you are good and cheerful. Didn't share it Wednesday night with those of you that were here that you got to learn to be content in whatever situation you are in, whether you like it or not. So guess what? Are you cheerful? Well, Brother Tom, you don't understand my condition. You don't understand my situation. It doesn't matter. You see, for the Christian, your situation should not change. Remember Paul and Silas? Where were they at? Do you remember? They were in jail. They, they, they were probably coming up to be killed. And, and so Paul is sitting there with Silas and going, can you believe our situation? This is absolutely ridiculous. God has forgotten us. We ought to call all of our friends, let them know. No, what is Paul doing? Paul and Silas both. We find them singing and praising God at midnight. Why? Because their situation did not matter. Their cheerfulness came from their faith and trust in Almighty God. And we know 
from that point, because of their commitment to cheerfulness, their, com- their commitment to God, their commitment to contentment in the moment, the bars break, the chains break. Nobody leaves. And the Bible ends the story like this. And the jailer and his household were saved. Why? Because someone chose to accept the way things were and praise God anyway. How's that working for you? It's tough, isn't it? But I'm telling you, there's a breakthrough when you can find contentment and be cheerful and sing the Psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Well, I got to go to the doctor. I got to run here. I got to run there. When was the last time you just stopped and asked God for guidance? When was the last time you just stopped and asked God to touch and heal you? Let me me read this. He says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Folks, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I want you to start praying every single day for God to give us wisdom on what to do about a youth pastor. I want you to pray daily for God to give us wisdom for us, for God to to have that person for this church. And for that person to be so obvious and so right and so ready. A lot of people keep asking me, where are we at with the youth pastor? I've I've learned the saying. I'm only gonna re- I'm only gonna use part of it, but be slow to hire. pray though. Can you do that for me? Can we commit as a church to pray? As a body to pray? Let's go back to this other. I'm, I just I threw that out at you because it, it's important to me to get you to pray. Let's go back to the is anyone sick. Last night Roger called me from the hospital. We talked for a while. Before I hung up I just prayed with him. Folks, there are times when people are hurting. They they don't need to hear, they, they do not need to hear these words. Well, I'll be praying for you. They don't need to hear that. What they need to hear is you actually pray. I wonder how many of you in this room could actually sit with someone and pray over them. That is a call that God has put upon the life of his people to pray for, pray over, grab the elders and have them pray over that person to lift them up. Let's keep reading. Verse 15 says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Now we're going to move on to another section here. It says, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, first of all, 
The person praying over you cannot forgive your sins. There's only one person who can forgive sins. Who is that? That's God, right? And he's done that through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, okay? Then he says, verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another. Here's what the devil has convinced us of. Nobody needs to know my secrets. Nobody needs to know my struggles. That is a lie. The Bible is very clear. You and I should be able to share our struggles with one another because that's how we battle them. That's how we fight them is we we confess, we commit, here's my struggle, here's where I'm at, and and I'm giving you this, and and I'm asking you to pray for this struggle in my life. And every time that I have this struggle, I'm going to let you know, and instead of you thinking that I'm weak, I just need you to pray for me. Why? Because it says that you may be healed. You see, Christians suffer. How many in this room is perfect? Anybody in this room perfect? I didn't think so. How many of us struggle with sin? Anybody in this room? Just raise your hand real quick if you struggle with sin. I'll go ahead and raise my hand. Anybody want to come up and share what those sins are from the pulpit? You know what? I would not be surprised to find out that a lot of us are struggling with the same things. Some of you may want to carry around a bat at school because you're so just tired of kids. I mean, I don't know, you know. Uh, just, just saying, uh, you know, just, dear Lord, we just pray for Robert right now. We'll have the elders. Re- we'll do what? I know. So, you know, I love you. Oh, that was great, though. You set yourself up. Sorry. <clears throat> we struggle, and the Bible says to to confess that. Like uh, a lot of a lot of people get mad. And then they look at somebody and they go, well, I I can't help it. I'm just angry. That's their confession to you at that moment. And at that moment, you're probably willing to lay hands on them. Amen? Right? Come here. Let me pray over you. If you're struggling, confess it, admit it. No, we're not priests in that idea of what the priests do in the Catholic Church. But what we are, we are brothers and sisters in Christ who stand with you in your struggle. And when we confess our sins to one another, we confess those trespasses to one another, what we're doing is, is we are saying, listen, these are the footholds that Satan has in my life. Will you pray for me? These are the areas in my life that I am struggling and I am begging you for prayer. And listen to what happens when we do this. Listen to what happens. When we are honest as a body of believers with one another, here's what takes place. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Folks, if I'm willing to confess that I'm struggling and I share that with somebody, and that person brings me before the Lord, and they bring me with the right heart and the right reason, guess what happens? I get a breakthrough. God gives me strength. I love the fact that every Sunday, folks walk out the door and tell me, Brother Tom, we prayed for you and Kathy this week. 
And a lot of times y'all say, we prayed for you, Kathy, Megan, and Sean. (laughs) Keep praying for Sean. He's married to my daughter, who's just like me. But that means a lot to us that we know you're praying for us. Keep praying. Because we too struggle. I want you to read Matthew chapter 21 and verse 13. And he said to them, it is written. Christ is referring to something that uh, was written in the Old Testament. And he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. We see this, we recognize it. And what happens in our life as we come to church, if, if we come here for only the benefit of what it gives us, what have we added? We're no different than those mega pastors who make all the money by telling you, if you'll just send us $29.99, we'll pray for you. And people actually do that. Ours didn't, and I found out if you make the phone call in college, you can get a a prayer cloth and everything else. He's laughing because we got ourselves into a lot of trouble one time. That's a story for another day. Oh, wait, I did. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I did. And uh, it's one of those dumb moments in life, you know. But um, you can do whatever you want to do, and people, people buy into this stuff. This should be a house of prayer. If you're only at church for what it gives you, and I'm serious, if you're only at church for what it gives you, you're a thief. You're a thief. What are you giving? Who do you pray for? Who do you fight for? Who are you willing to stand beside and say, you know what? I'm going to pray for those people. Can I tell you? This past year, we have seen a lot of death in this church. Are you praying for those people? Can you remember them by name? Those who have lost a loved one, can you remember them? Can you actually call them out by name and say, God, I pray today you would help them. I pray today that you'd give them strength. I pray tonight as they lay down that there's not loneliness, God, but instead that there's comfort from you. Do you pray those things for one another? Or do you come and the only thing you leave with is, well, that was a good message. Or, man, I wish you'd have, I wish you'd have said something else today. I didn't get anything out of that. What are you giving? What are you putting in? A house of prayer. My wife will tell you one thing that aggravates me, and I probably shouldn't say this because it's going to make a lot of you upset, but I don't, it's okay. Y'all be all right. One thing that aggravates me about church people, oh, I know, I know, I know, it's bad. I'm not on medication either, right? I'm okay. My wife's looking at me like, don't you say it, you're crazy. When people walk up to you and go, well, how's so-and-so? Do you not have a phone? Do you not have a car? And then the excuse is, well, I I don't want to bother them. Well, man, if you think they need prayer, do you think it'd be bothering them to pray for them? 
do you think it would be bothering them to contact them and actually say, hey, I just want you to know I love you? And then pray with them? What happened to the commitment that we made to one another? To be a family, right? Y'all, a house of prayer, a, a group of people that pray for one another. A lot of times I'll just send people, when they ask me a question, I'll just send them the person's number, their contact information. <laughs> like, here it is. I'm not being ugly. I'm just like, that's our part. If we're a church, right? That's what we're there for. Be a part. So, why do I bring us to that point? Jesus said, we're to be a house of prayer. But we've made it to a den of thieves. Verse 19, back in James 5, says this, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, in other words, there are those in the church who have heard the good news, They've had a little bit of religion, right? They've had a little religion, but they've never been saved. Let me, let me explain to you what I mean by that, because listen to what he says. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner, this word here for sinner is one who is lost, who has no saving grace in their life. They turn a sinner from the error of his way and will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. What is God saying? God is saying, when you see someone walk out of the church, don't just say bye, see you later. Reach out to them. Reach out to them. Challenge their faith. Challenge them to come back. Challenge them to be a part. And if they refuse, they refuse. But if they listen... And they will heed the voice of God. And they will repent. And they'll not just have religion, but they'll have Christ. By the way, there is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. A lot of religion. A lot of religion. But no salvation. Let's stand together. Father, we ask today that you would just change our hearts to become that that people of prayer for one another. God, that we would be the brother and sister that reaches out. That we would be the brother and sister that knows how the other person is doing. That's what we're about here. This is a family. We're brothers and sisters. You are our Father. And I pray that we could understand that we should stand with one another and not just say, I'm going to pray for you, but actually pray. Lord, this is how it should be in the house of prayer. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.